But we were finishing, a, we have just finished a fairly long uh, series. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did, where we were, where I was preaching through the book of Acts, uh, and not the whole book, but a big chunk of it. And of course, it was a fairly lengthy sermon series. But now I'm going to be in a quick series. We're going to do this week and next week a two-part series uh, on being refreshed I uh, believe God's way, and then we're going to do another short series on the Lord's Prayer. So uh, hopefully you'll enjoy this. I have a sneaking suspicion before preaching today's mes message that this is going to be like one of your favorite messages for the whole year. I mean, I know the last time I preached on hell and you guys are really excited about that. But this week, uh, I think it's going to be your your favorite message. And that's why I've titled it this way. Hopefully you can see it's somewhat comical. Uh, take a break for heaven's sake. Take a break for heaven's sake. Uh, we're going to talk about taking a break. Uh, that's why I think you'll like it. You know, it's like uh, the, the big idea here is this. And, and this is actually a serious um, idea. Uh, what are you doing to refresh yourself? Uh, you know, it's hard to imagine, but we're halfway through summer. Next week, it's August. I mean, as scary as that is. Now, here in New England, we really love the seasons. We really love summer because we get a real summer. And we really love the fall because it's super beautiful and there's no humidity. And then uh, we really love the winter. Well, most of us do because we get snow uh, and it's really pretty and we can play in the snow. And then we really love the spring, well, sort of, mud season as quickly as we can get through it. And then we see the flowers coming up and we look forward to summer. So we get great seasons. But summer is short and we've got to make the most of it. But typically, for most of us, summer is the time when we take a vacation, when we take a break. And uh, I have a very spiritual, serious question which I want to uh, uh, pose to you. Is, are you being refreshed? Have you given yourself a chance to take a break? Uh, and, and let me ask it a different way. What would it take for you to have a break? What would give you life? What is it when you sit down and you think about it, said, this would be so life-giving if I could just do this? Because I believe that the Lord really would want you to do that. Now, it is different for each one of us. You know, for one person, like a really awesome break would be to just sit on a deck chair or on a beach chair and just read a book, and that will just be totally awesome, you know, in the sun, uh, whatever. For another person, it would be like, let's just do a lot of activities. You know, we sit around all day long and let's go and cycle or swim or do something that's fun. Uh, but I am saying this. I really believe, and I want to spend a bit of time pushing into Scripture, that the Lord desires that you take a break for your own sake, that you would be spiritually refreshed. Now, there is a difference. Uh, I, I think there's a sense where we need to take a break, you know, from what we're doing from a routine. But there's, where I want to lean into is how do we take a break where we get refreshed spiritually? The challenge is this. Often we can't get refreshed spiritually unless we take a break from activity, like some way of slowing down, changing our regular routine it's almost like we have to slow down physically before we can lean into things spiritually. And uh, I, I want us to uh, look at this today, and I, I want us to look at uh, a few scriptures. But uh, 
for some people, there's a challenge thinking that God would really encourage you to take a break. Or for some people, there's a uh, disconnect that God really wants you to have fun and enjoy yourself. I mean, really, really wants you to have fun and enjoy yourself. So how about this verse in Ecclesiastes 9, 7, and 8? It says, go ahead. Eat your food with joy and drink your wine with a happy heart. For God approves of this. Now, when you start reading that verse, you think, okay, eat your food with joy and drink your wine and it'll really turn out bad for you. No, and then you're kind of like surprised. No, eat your food with joy and drink your wine. It doesn't say grape juice. Your wine with a happy heart for God approves of this. Wear fine clothes and with a splash of cologne. I mean, you know, sometimes we can be so dour as Christians that it's sort of like a shock for us that in the Bible, God is encouraging us to like have fun and dress up and smell good and enjoy life and take a break for heaven's sake. Uh, So uh, what I want you to get out of this message is this. I want you to try and evaluate where you are at honestly. And if at all possible, uh, to figure out how you're going to get a break uh, before summer's over. Uh, But actually, more importantly is, can we establish healthy rhythms in our lives? This is really the the big idea here. Can we establish healthy rhythms in our lives where we get refreshed by the Lord daily, weekly, seasonally, annually, and on a long-term basis so that we don't burn out, we don't get fried, that we have a life that's refreshed and sustained in the Lord in all seasons. So uh, let me just pray uh, and ask God's Spirit to be here with us. Jesus, we just ask that you would indeed lead us, uh, that you would indeed guide us so that we can enjoy times of refreshing, that we can have times where we just kick back, and we sense your presence, and we can delight in your presence, and we know that you're taking care of us, and that you're guiding us, and that it's not all up to us. It's up to us to look at you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Now, Psalm 23 is probably, you know, one of the most well-known psalms in the Bible, and for very good reason. And the reason why this psalm appeals to us in such a strong way is verse 1, 2, and 3. Let me just read it to you. If you've got uh, an insert uh, in your bulletin, you might want to pull this out. I want you to circle three words here uh, as I read. I want you to circle the word in in verse 2, rest, peaceful, and renews. Let me just read it to you. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths. Again, you want to circle the word rest, renews, and guides. You know, there's something as we read this, it's like, oh, this sounds so good. I would love to be sitting in a green meadow, resting, uh, peaceful streams. It's just quiet. It's tranquil. Tranquil. 
and let the Lord guide me. Uh, you know, and it's the classic pastoral uh, imagery. Here you have a shepherd, Jesus, leading his sheep, you and me, and we don't have to worry about anything. We're just stupid sheep, and all we've got to do is just follow Jesus, and he will make everything work out for us. Uh, he'll provide the right food. He'll get us rest. He'll protect us from the enemy. We just need to, like, hang out with Jesus, rest, and just follow him. That's sort of the big picture, and it's a awesome picture. It's like takes a lot of stress off us. Uh, easier said than done, but it's an awesome picture. Just appealing to rest. You know, how would you self-assess where you're at? Are you feeling weary? Uh, it's quite normal for us to get weary. Uh, it's not a healthy state for us to stay in a pattern of being weary all the time. We need to uh, take, a, take time off. Now, you know, it doesn't matter what uh, we do, we need to take a break, change things up. Uh, sometimes uh, we weary from sitting around looking at screens all day long. You could be an architect, uh, an accountant, uh, an IT person. You're just like looking at a screen all day long. So to not get weary means you need to get some exercise, get up and about and do stuff. You know, so the more physical activity you do, that would be very restful. But obviously, if you're in construction and you're in the heat all day long, then restful means like, you know, get in a shady spot and you know, rest a little bit. But we do need physical uh, rest, physical sleep. Uh, we need physical rest. It's particularly interesting to me because I'm a runner uh, that, you know, top athletes in any profession, football players, but, but runners particularly, runners in long distance are trying to accumulate more and more miles. So they run, you know, ridiculous amounts of miles each week. But top professional uh, runners have realized that it's best for their body, whether you're Christian or not, to take a day off once a week. One day a week, the best thing you can do for your body is absolutely nothing. Do not run one single step. This, believe it or not, is so totally counterintuitive that most professional athletes and runners just cannot do it. It's like just, it just feels like I'm wasting time taking time off. Football players need it too. You don't train the day after a game. I mean, you can sit and, you know, analyze things, but you need to take a break. You need physical rest. But it's not just physical rest. What we need is peace. And that's why Psalm 23, when it says, you know, next to peaceful streams, there's something in the serenity, in the calmness that is uh, really appealing to us. It's a chance to contemplate is a, a chance to uh, sense, okay, God, what are you doing? Uh, let me sort out what's conflicting in my life. Uh, why am I feeling stressed? A, a chance to process and deal with it. Uh, we need space to experience peaceful streams, place to rest. Uh, we need a time where we need to renew our strength, our physical strength, our emotional strength, and... Uh, are mostly interested in our, our spiritual uh, strength, a sense of being renewed. We live in a culture that again and again, as Christians, we're going to find ourselves wrestling with being in this world, but not being of this world. So if we do everything exactly the way this world is prescribing it, then we will be no different. And one area that we really have to sort of lean in a different direction to what everybody else is doing 
is this idea of getting rest in the Lord and receiving a sense of renewing, refreshing, of peace, of joy in the Lord. Uh, it's not something that just comes instinctively. Let's just look at uh, God's way, or God's design uh, for us uh, to, to be refreshed. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, let me just, let's look at this. I think there's a daily, uh, weekly, and I want to actually look at an annual way of looking at getting rest. I want to focus on that today, but I need to uh, talk about these other areas first because they're really important. The first one is daily God is asking us if we can start our day in some way that connects with Him. The classic daily uh, ritual for Christians throughout time has been you wake up in the morning, you, you know, read your Bible, you spend some time praying, and you do that as much or as little as it gives you life. Uh, you don't want to put a formula on it that sucks the life out of you. The idea here is to give you life uh, and to help you to connect with the Lord. Uh, it's a great routine. And that's why, you know, we give out devotionals at the beginning of the year and Bible reading plans because we want to have this daily time with the Lord be part of our, our habit. Uh, the next part uh, is the weekly uh, routine. And this is just a big deal. Sabbath rest. Taking time to do church, which is what you're doing. So, well done, good and faithful servants. You're here. I'm preaching, preaching to the converted. You've already uh, showed up and done the thing that God is asking. But it's really interesting if you think of this. You know, in the Old Testament, Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment being a commandment to take rest. Just, just think how ridiculous this is. God has to give you a commandment to slow down, shut up, and listen to Him. Because our natural instinct is to just keep working. And the ridiculous thing is this. We volunteer ourselves into slavery. It's what happened in Egypt. The people were, the, you know, the Egyptians were working, the Jewish people, seven days a week. God's big promise to them was, I will take you out of the slavery into a promised land where you will get rest. Part of it, which is, you'll take a whole day off. It'll be a really awesome thing. But in our culture, we have to lean in another direction to where culture is going. Because we are voluntarily enslaving ourselves with what the culture is demanding by working seven days a week. Uh, I mean, just in the short time that I've been a, 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 you know, a, a full-time pastor, in the last 18 years, there's been a dramatic shift in our culture. The dominant institution in, in Hopkinson was the Catholic Church. And I remember speaking to um, the, the priest way back then. And he said, look, I've just given up. Father Degden, he said, you know, it used to be where the town would come to him as the leading priest in the town and ask him for input about school and sports and whatever not. And then Father Degden said, eventually he just gave up. People weren't asking him for his opinion and he was fighting like crazy just to not have sporting events conflict with church events. And then by the time he retired, he said, I've just given up on that as well. It's just, I just, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm done. But as, as believers, you, we, you have a juggling act. I know this one. I, my kids were in the same dynamic. I, I remember my son was showing great promise to be a hockey player at five years old. And I was super excited. I want to encourage him. And not being from this area, it's like when I saw the schedule, it's like, 
wait, every hockey game is Sunday morning. And then on the weekends, you go up to Montreal as a little tripping out there. I'm like, Nate, you're not very good at hockey. How about another sport? Like, try something else. He didn't realize that he made the elite team. And I said, Nate, you didn't make that team. That, that didn't work out. Let's do another sport. And he was like, okay, okay, Dad. You know, it's like, how about tennis? You know, something else. But, but you know the dilemma. You got kids that play soccer or you play football. And you say, okay, it'll just be for a little season. You know, football in the fall. And then you realize, no, there's an indoor football and an outdoor football and an in-between football. And it's a whole year football. And, and you just never get a break. And you... As parents, we are forcing ourselves against a culture that is saying, I want to do sports all weekend, or I want to work all weekend, or I want to do work and sports all weekend. There's no time to take rest or take a break. And we keep thinking it's, it's, it's only a temporary thing. It's not going to happen forever. If I just get through this season, but you don't. It becomes a pattern. And uh, finally, we start burning out. We, we're trying to do too many things uh, at once. So... Let's look at what the fourth commandment in the Ten Commandments uh, says. And uh, then I'll talk a little bit about how in the New Testament, it's not quite the way it was in the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus had a lot to say about the Ten Commandments. But uh, he has the fourth commandment as we see it in Exodus uh, chapter 20, verse 18. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested, and that is why uh, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Now, there's something as believers that we have to give up. We have to give up control of our schedules, and we say, God, you know what's best for us. And I'm talking about being refreshed and getting rest and being renewed. We do not have the most amount of smarts to figure out how we can be most blessed and renewed. We tend to just burn the candle at both ends, or we go away on vacation, we come back more exhausted than when we left, or, you know, we pack in so much into our schedule that we're just not enjoying life. Uh, now, of course, you can't generalize. Some people, the problem's the other way around. It's laziness. You know, it's like, okay, you need to get working. You need to do stuff. But for most folks, getting refreshed and rest uh, is a spiritual exercise of depending on God and saying, God knows what's best. I don't. That's the starting point. And God's intention is to bless me with rest. This was the fourth commandment. Uh, now, there is a difference in the New Testament. You know, most of the Ten Commandments uh, Jesus addresses in the Sermon on the Mount, and he kind of digs in deeper, you know, and you realize what's the full uh, intention that God has in these commandments. But the, 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 the Sabbath, Jesus seems to do a whole bunch of things with. The first thing that Jesus does with the Sabbath is he seems to run into a lot of problems with religious leaders. I mean, so much so that it was violation of the Sabbath that got him killed. It was the religious r rulers and leaders 
being so offended by Jesus because of the way he spent the Sabbath that drove them crazy. And he said, essentially, this is what was going on. Uh, the religious people then, and I dare say some uh, religious leaders today, will prescribe to you what you need to do on the Sabbath. And it becomes very rules-based, and it becomes very, um, well, it's not life-giving. Let's just put it that way. And what Jesus does is he's firstly he's with his disciples, and they're hungry. And so they're walk, walking around a wheat field, and they rub some wheat together, and they eat it. And then the religious people are saying, that's not legal. You're working. You're not allowed to work on the Sabbath. And so you have that run in. And then Jesus seemed to like particularly just really enjoy healing people on the Sabbath. And that would drive the religious people absolutely crazy. It's like you can't work on the Sabbath, Jesus. This is a violation. Don't do this. And Jesus just seemed to just really enjoy it. You know, no, I'm going to heal this guy on the Sabbath. And then he'd heal the person. He'd say, pick up your mat and walk. And then the religious leaders would say, you know, carry a mat that's work working. And the guy's like, well, I've just been healed. What am I supposed to do? Oh, Jesus, you know, and it's just like a ridiculous fiasco. And I say the same thing to you. Like, what is going to give you life on the Sabbath? I mean, as soon as you make it super, you know, legalistic, I can, you know, you just suck the life out of you. I mean, if you want to go away on a Sunday and go and do some sporting event or something, for goodness sake, just go and do it. If that's going to give you life, do it. The, the problem is when it becomes a lifestyle or a ritual and you're just like absent. But there's a lot of freedom that the Lord is giving on the Sabbath. Uh, maybe we'll look at a, a verse or two here. Let me get my eye on where, where I'm at. So Mark chapter 12, uh, Matthew chapter 12 has a lot to say about the Sabbath uh, and how Jesus ran into problems with the leaders. But uh, in Mark chapter 2 and 3, you really get this in a condensed uh, format uh, where you're getting Jesus' idea. So for instance, Matthew 12, it says, I want you to... I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. Love God and love your neighbor. Work at being kind, helpful, and merciful. You know, God is saying, look, the heart of the Sabbath is to love God, love your neighbor. You know, it's not to be offering sacrifices and then just saying, okay, I've done my obligation. Okay, I went to church. I took communion. I'm done with that. Now I've got freedom for the day. Let me get, get on. That, that misses the whole point. It's like connect with God, allow God to renew your strength, and uh, now you're getting the refreshment that God uh, wants you to have. But in Matthew 11:28, uh, this is important. Jesus says this. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You know, here's the, the heart of the Lord. He's saying, I want to give you rest. But the way you're going to get rest is you need to come to me. And in our flow of things, we'd say, commit Sunday to the Lord. Commit, sun commit to coming to church on a regular basis. Not legalistically, but so that when you come, you can meet and encounter the Lord and that the Lord will refresh you. And the remarkable thing is he'll refresh you and your kids in every phase of your life. It's not like a seasonal thing. It's not like, oh, we only do this when our kids are young, or we only do this when we don't have kids, or we only do this, you know, at the end of our life when we just like totally burnt out and we need the Lord. No, you do it your whole life, and the Lord refreshes you and takes your burdens. Jesus says, I'll do this for, for all your life. So uh, that is the rhythm. Now, the bigger rhythm that I want to look at is not 
the daily readings. It's not the Sabbath. Uh, as important as those are, I want us to look at this idea of, you know, what we would say vacation. How do we, on a, uh, once a year, what scripture do we have that says, look, we need to take an extended break. It's not just Sunday. Well, in Leviticus chapter 23, the, you know, in the Old Testament, what God had done, he built in into the calendar uh, that the Jewish people would have extended festivals. And these festivals had a multiple purpose. One, there was a sense where they were going to get spiritually refreshed. Another sense it was, hey, field trip, we're going to Jerusalem, pack up the kids, we're going. You know, another sense was there's party time, and we're going to eat, and we're going to hang out with family and with friends. These festivals did all of those things, and they were built into the calendar, like you just didn't miss them. Uh, we don't follow those uh, festivals, you know, in the New Testament. There's no commandment like, hey, guys, we're all got to go to Jerusalem this weekend. You know, there's a festival there. You know, book your ticket. Let's, let's. No, there's a, it's, it's a different uh, scheme. Our rest is in the Lord, it's, and our festivals uh, in the New Testament are what the Lord has prescribed to us uh, in the New Testament. But in Leviticus 23, we see these seasons uh, where people are taking intentional uh, time off. The question we have to ask ourselves is, is the amount of vacation we're taking, the amount of vacation that we need to take, or asking it differently, are you being refreshed on an annual basis in your routine, your rhythm, in a way that allows you to do what you're doing long, in a long-term way? My perception is that Americans take way too little vacation, and when they do, they spend way too much money on way too short a time period, and you just don't get the rest that you really need. Now, I don't know who's got it right. My from my perception, I think Europe takes way too much vacation, and uh, I don't know how they can afford to do all that they do, but you know, taking three months and being in the French Riviera sounds great, but I, I don't know how that works with your boss and your productivity. You know, I don't know, Australia seems to have a good balance. You know, they take fair amount of vacation. They don't kill themselves with work. Uh, all I'm saying is this. You need to figure out if you're getting enough rest. Most Americans, to take two weeks off from work is a major challenge because this is the way it goes down. You know as well as I do. I've been in the corporate world. Your boss will say, you can take two weeks. In fact, I've got to write you in the employee handbook. You got two weeks. You've earned two weeks. In fact, you've earned three weeks. Man, you've been working this company 20 years. You've actually got four weeks. You can take all the time off you like, as long as everything gets done in your absence. And then you realize, it's better if I don't get be absent because it's a mission to get everything done in my absence. It's really, really difficult. You know, when I was in corporate uh, world, uh, we had two guys that were working in the lab in the company I was working with downtown in, 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 in Watertown. And these two guys, were, they weren't believers, uh, but they just did an exceptional job of taking vacation. They'd take four weeks. Uh, one guy's name was Ming. He was a Chinese guy. He was a super fantastic scientist uh, running the lab. And he, they would take four weeks at a time. And the other guy was a guy named Dick. And, and he just liked mountain climbing. He'd go all over the world, he and his wife. And they'd take four weeks off. And when they came back, they were super refreshed. They'd work like crazy the whole year. They were like fantastic employees. Everybody loved them. The customers loved them. Because they had figured out this rhythm that gave them rest and what they liked doing. 
And I, I remember thinking, it's just remarkable that in corporate America, when everybody else is battling to take 10 days off, that these guys have figured out a way to take a whole month off, and the company didn't mind, and the customers didn't mind, and the other employees didn't mind. Everybody's just envious that they had pulled it off. But what I'm saying to you is that we have to be like these guys. We have to lean in a different way than our culture. We have to make an effort. We have to work at taking rest. Uh, it doesn't just happen. If you just do what's presented to you, you won't get enough rest. You have to be very intentional about planning, working at getting enough rest. It, it takes a lot of effort. And it's not just rest. When you think about this, as I started off the sermon, what will give you rest? What is it that will give you life? And then how will you get it? Uh, often what happens is you need a little bit of vacation first before you can actually get rest second. So you have to really be intentional about it. You know, in academia, we've got uh, Bob here. He's taking a three-month sabbatical. He's professor down in a university in, in Rhode Island, in, in Providence. And he's been there, you know, in academia. If you're a tenured professor, you get every seven years, you get three months off. And uh, this is a good, healthy uh, idea for saying to professors, look, you need to get refreshed, read up, do whatever you want, take time off, because if you're going to do this for the long haul, you need to take extended uh, times, time off. But then the question is, do it well. You know, for some people, taking three months off is like very unsettling. It's like, well, what the heck would I do? And it's not a good thing because they haven't planned it properly. And uh, so likewise, on a regular vacation, I'm just saying, you know, two weeks or whatever, uh, plan it so that you get all the rest that you need. Let me uh, conclude this way. Jesus takes this whole idea of the Sabbath, and in the book, in, in the book of Hebrews summarizes it well this way. Essentially, Jesus is saying, look, you're going to get rest by receiving me, and your rest is found in Jesus. And what Jesus is saying to all of us is he's saying, look, you need to invite me into your life. If you haven't invited Jesus into your life, Jesus is saying, you need to invite me into your life. When I reside within you, you will receive a certain amount of peace and a certain amount of rest. But then what happens is the Holy Spirit then guides you. And the Holy Spirit is showing you if you're overworking, if you're underworking, uh, what, what the Spirit of God does not want to have happen is for you to burn out. Now, for most of you that have served in the church and have volunteered it's a balancing act of not burning out. This is a very real, very real problem in churches. Because our schedule outside of church is very full. Then we try and do exactly what the Lord is asking us to do, which is to serve and give back. But we've got no margin. We've got no space. And so we burn out. And, this, you know, we have low tolerance for uh, you know, yeah, you're at church, you're serving, you're in a children's ministry, you're teaching, and then the parent comes and they're super grumpy and it's like, why don't you do this? And my kid needs a snack and I don't need a, They haven't learned anything about Jesus and, you know, uh, you know, discipline problems and blah, 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 whatever. And you're like, I'm just a teacher. I'm just like trying to volunteer. I mean, don't shout at me. I'm trying my best. And it's, it's a real problem. We, we, we're trying to serve the Lord 
and our stress level is like right up there because we're so taxed, we're so burdened. Uh, so I am saying, particularly if you're serving in this church, thank you so much for volunteering. But you really, really, really need to listen to what I'm saying. You need to be very intentional about taking time off so that you can be refreshed in the Lord so that you can get back in and not burn out. I mean, you know, the Apostle Paul, you might say, okay, give me an example, a scriptural example, Apostle Paul. How did he ever take, you know, three days, five days, three weeks, three months vacation? Give me a scriptural verse, you know, this annual rest idea. When I look at the Apostle Paul, we just looked at the book of Acts. He's just going like a maniac. Wait a bit. We don't know all that the Apostle Paul did. What we got recorded in the book of Acts is Paul running all over the Mediterranean and, you know, Greece and Turkey and whatever not. He deals with a lot of stuff. But here's the thing. At the end of Paul's life, he says, I am so glad that I finished the race, that I was faithful until the end. Basically, Paul is saying, I didn't flame out. I didn't burn out. I was able to sustain myself. Now, there's a lot of silence in Scripture, and it's very difficult and dangerous, may I say, to read into silence. But let me just maybe suggest that a lot of the places that Paul traveled to would have been vacation spots. There were some of the great spots along the coast, and there are big periods where we know nothing about what Paul was doing. It wouldn't totally surprise me that Paul was down on the beach sipping a something or other, something good, and reading something or other that's pretty good. Get the Torah scrolls out there. I would not be surprised if Paul was taking some time out and being refreshed and being rejuvenated, and there's absolutely nothing to report about it because there's no activity for, you know, Dr. Luke to be talking about. He didn't tell us that he went down to this little place and took some time out. I have a sneaking suspicion that somehow or other, Paul was able to get refreshed in the Lord, however that would look like for him. Maybe it wasn't the beach. I don't know. But we all need to be able to be thinking long term. How do we stay in the game? How do we enjoy our Sunday services? How do we enjoy our fellowship with the Lord? How do we hear the voice of God? And let me just suggest that there are some times in our lives that the only way that we will hear God's voice is when we have either a desert-like experience or where we are able to slow down and tune out all the other noises that we're hearing. It is very difficult sometimes to wake up in the morning. It's Monday morning. You're in a, you've got a real full schedule. You're going to work a 10-hour day. And you say, God, I need, your, I need direction today. I've got, I need a lot of wisdom. I've got some big decisions. And okay, I'm in traffic. God, okay, thank you. Help me out. Done. I mean, if that's the extent of your seeking and trying to hear from the Lord, don't be surprised if you're not hearing anything. Sometimes you have to journal stuff. You have to process stuff. You have to unload stuff. You have to lean into the Lord. And it, uh, it just takes time. You can't do that in a fast track. You need to just take time. That's why Psalm 23 is so appealing. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord will guide you to peaceful streams. Let you rest in nice, green, fresh meadows. There's nothing there that sounds rushed. There's nothing there that sounds like, okay, I'm driven. There's a sense of just hanging out listening to the water, relaxing, and listening to God. It's part of our routine. So, Lord, I just pray uh, for each one of us today that you would help us. You'd help each one of us, Lord, to work hard 
at looking at our calendars, looking at our schedules, and developing healthy rhythms of daily refreshing, weekly Sabbath time here at church, annual time of getting away, or extended times, Lord, where we can be refreshed, that we will be invigorated, Lord, that we can hear your voice, Lord, that we would feel rejuvenated, that we can run the race until the end. Lord, you don't ask us to be successful. You ask us to be faithful. So, Lord, help us to be faithful in following you and giving our burdens and our concerns and giving them to you for you to carry. And, Lord, give us enough faith to live your way, to let you lead, to let you provide, to let you guide. Lord, we just thank you that you love each one of us dearly and that you are pleased when we take time off to lean into you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen.